Well, hey everyone, Pastor Stephen here, and I want to thank you for checking out this message from Journey Church. I hope that it encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus than ever before. If you are joining us today online or through the live stream, we are so excited that you are with us. However, we are not meant to do life alone, so don't let online media be a substitute for an actual community of faith and fellowship. God created us to do life with one another so that we can grow together on life's journey. We hope that you enjoy this message from God's Word. Welcome and thank you for being here today. Thank you for being a part of the service here today. Um, last week I was not here. Uh, some of you may have noticed that. Uh, Pastor Tom stepped in and did an absolutely outstanding job. And he's a lot funnier than I am. I just, I want you to know that. Um, the things that he was talking about, very funny. The things that I am talking about here in this series called Endgame, it's just not funny. There's nothing funny about it. There's very serious things that are going on, not only in our country, but in the world at large. And those are the things that we need to be aware of and be looking at. Um, Last week I was gone, my, my aunt in uh, southern Indiana passed away, so we went there to be with family, so it was good to be able to be there and be with family, but it's very good to open up God's Word and uh, look at God's Word together today. You know, I woke up this morning and <clears throat> I recognized and I realized that the world was still spinning. I don't know if you recognize that or not, it is still spinning, it's still going. God is still omniscient. That is his all-knowing. He is still omnipotent. He is ever-present. He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's still sovereign. He is still in control. And those are the things that we need to realize. In Matthew chapter 24, if you have not been with us for this study, I would encourage you to go back and watch the videos for this sermon series because they're going to lay a foundation that we need to know as we talk about and as we look at this title called Endgame, The End of All Things. Today, we're going to be in Matthew 24, and we're going to read verses thirteen through or 3 through 14, and I'm going to pick it up toward the end of that where we're going to talk about and continue on with the things that we have been learning uh, in this series. So if you have a Bible or if you have an app on your smartphone, I want to encourage you to follow along with me today as I read Matthew 24, verses 3 through 14. And I'm reading from a version from the, of the Bible called the TLV version. Uh, the TLV version is a version of the Bible. Uh, that is called the Tree of Life version. It's a, uh, it was written and uh, put together by a group of, of uh, theologians that are Jewish and Christian both. It's called, they're called Messianic Jews, Jews that believe in Jesus. And uh, I just love this version. So here's what the version says, and you could follow along also on the screen if you don't have a Bible or your app open. It says these words, as he was, oh, it's not up there yet. Okay. Okay, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen? 
What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? Those are the three questions that kick all of this off. The disciples really want to know, Jesus, please help us to understand. Please explain to us what's really going on. What is the signs? When are these things going to happen? What are the signs of your coming? What are the signs of the end of the age? Now, here's what's going to happen. Jesus will answer them. Yeshua, Jesus, Yeshua is the Hebrew name of Jesus. It's the actual name of Jesus. Yeshua answered them. He didn't give them uh, figurative language. He gave them literal language. He says, here's the answer to your questions. Here's the things that you need to know. He says, be careful that no one leads you astray or deceives you. For many are going to come in my name saying, I am the Messiah and will lead many astray. Now, what we have been learning from that is leading astray has to do with this book. Many will come in that time and say, this does not matter. The truth of this is wrong. You can't believe all that the Bible says. They will pick and choose what they want to believe. They will cross out the things that they don't think are relevant, and they will say none of this matters or only a portion of this matters. You can't believe it all, and that will cause your anchor to be lifted out of the bedrock. This is the bedrock that we are anchored in. This is the anchor for our souls, but they will encourage you to pull up your anchor to float away from God, what God's word says. Many will come, he says, in my name. I am Messiah. What that means is many will come saying, I am sent by God. I am anointed of Jesus. I am Messiah's representative here in this world. You need to listen to me. Don't worry about what this says. Just listen to what I have to say. So he says, many will come, many will deceive, many will say, I am the Messiah and will lead many astray. They will deceive many. You will hear of wars. Sorry, go back to that. Okay. Jack will let you change it now. Go ahead. All right, you will hear of wars, and you're going to hear of rumors of wars. So you're going to hear speculation that there's going to be wars. You're going to hear speculation that there's going to be rumors of wars. You're going to hear speculation of saber-rattling that is going on, nations that are rising up against nations. You're going to see that. See, Jesus says, that you are not alarmed, for this must happen. But this is not yet the end. This must happen. These things have to happen. It's a requirement that these things must happen. We are powerless to stop that. The things have to happen. And then he says, but this is not the end. The end is not yet. You're going to hear of these things. You're going to experience these things, but the end is still yet to come. It's going to have to happen, but it hasn't come yet. And then nation will rise against nation. What we've learned in that is that's ethnos. It is ethnic groups. There will be racial tension, racial division. Ethnic groups will rise against ethnic groups, kingdoms against kingdoms, primarily the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, against the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, the ruler of this world. Those kingdoms are going to clash, and there will be famines, and there will be earthquakes, in various places. But again, these things are just the beginning. These are just the beginnings of the birth pains. These are just the beginning of contractions. There's a long, arduous, uh, arduous turmoil that is ahead of us. There are hard times ahead of us. These are just the beginning of the contractions leading to the actual birth of the new age. Then he says this, then they will hand you over to persecution 
and will kill you. You will be hated by all the nations because of my name. And then many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom shall be proclaimed in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Then the end will come. Then it will launch into the end, the final three and a half year period called the Great Tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, the time of Israel's, uh, Israel's greatest time of turmoil and attack. That's when the end will come after all of these things have happened. Today's message is called Persecution Betrayal, Lawlessness and Lovelessness at the End of All Things. Doesn't that sound like an encouraging title today? That is what we get to listen to. But that's what the Word of God says, and this Word of God is a time of warning. Let's pray and seek God's blessing as we jump into this. Father God, you know our hearts, you know our minds, you know the fears that some are walking in today. You know the turmoil that has been at hand. Lord, you know the uncertainty that many people feel. But we are thankful that you are in control, that you are still omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. You're still omnibenevolent. You are all good all the time. Lord, you are sovereign. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And though we feel the pain of living in this world, you have a plan. And it's to bring all of this to a culmination so that you can return and collect your bride. Father, I don't believe that we are long from experiencing that. Whether it is in this decade or the next, Lord, it just seems like it's getting closer and closer to your return and to your collection of your bride. Help us to pay attention to the warning signs that you give, to not drift away and be deceived, to not fall away from you, but help us to stay firmly connected to you and to one another. Lord, I pray that during these times, we would continue to trust you, to lean upon you. I pray, Father, that you would comfort us and be with us and help us to know that you've got these things. Father, we trust you and we lean upon you today. And we ask, Lord, that you would shed light on your word and help us to understand how your word applies to us. We pray these things in the wonderful and the powerful name of Jesus, who is the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, I've talked about this whole timeline of events that have happened. There are four specific timelines. There's four primary timelines that you find in the Bible. All of these timelines come together at a convergence point called the abomination of desolation. All of these timelines really come to a, uh, come to a connection at that point. In the book of Ezekiel, we find a timeline that covers the nation of Israel. Israel will be reborn, which we have seen happen. We saw that happen in 1948. It will be reborn. It will be gathered from 
become dust. It will just happen. It's a, a miraculous birth that happened in the nation of Israel. Israel will experience peace where all of its guard will be let down. No more walls, no more, no more bars on the windows. It will feel at peace. And then the abomination of desolations, the end will come, the Jacob's troubled time will come. In the book of Daniel, the timeline follows this. It follows the rise of the Antichrist, the rise of his kingdom, his empire. It is a ten-nation coalition that will happen. Then the Antichrist will rise up in the midst of that as an eleventh kingdom. He will conquer three of the other kingdoms and he will take the lead. He will take control of the empire. That beastly system will come into Israel and then there will come to this point called the abomination of desolation. And then you have a timeline in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> the book of Revelation timeline covers the age of the church, the seven ages of the church. Those ages of the church all come to a culminating point in this thing called the abomination of desolation, the end times events. In the book of Matthew, we see another kind of timeline that happens, and this is a timeline for the believers. <clears throat> it's a timeline that we need to focus in on ourselves as believers, and here are the things that Jesus lays out in this timeline. <clears throat> he says, in the end, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see deception and false prophets arising. The church will become more and more easily prone to falling into deception. The church will be led astray. The people will be led astray. You're going to see deception rising. You're going to see social, global, and ecological pressures. We've talked about those things. Then you're going to see what we're going to cover today. You're going to see persecution that's going to begin to rise and the hatred of Christians. Christians will be hated around the world and in our country. Most often, we as Americans read the Bible with a very myopic view, meaning we focus in on ourselves and we think all of this has to do with us. It's global in nature. There is a global persecution, a global hatred of Christians. Then, you're going to see a falling away from faith. There's going to be a great apostasy. It's what it tells us in the Bible. That there's going to be a great falling away from the faith. Along with that, there's going to be betrayal and hatred of one another. You're going to see also lawlessness and lovelessness is going to increase, followed by a worldwide evangelistic coming to faith. There will be a lot of believers that will fall away, but there will also be a lot who come to Jesus at the end. Then that leads to Matthew 24, 15. This is the convergence point for all of the timelines. It is then the great tribulation begins, the final three and a half year period, which is kicked off by this thing called the abomination of desolation. Now we'll get into that eventually, but I want to look today at persecution, betrayal, lawlessness, and lovelessness, and wonder, and ask ourselves, is this happening? Are any of these events currently going on, and are they increasing? Let's look at this together. The first point that Jesus is going to talk about in this final few verses is persecution. Now, we've had deception. We've had false prophets rising. We've had social, global, and ecological pressures. We've had those things happen. Now we're going to have this thing called persecution. Let's look at what Jesus says. Persecution, and then we're going to look at betrayal, lawlessness, and lovelessness. Jesus says these words, Then... 
then, after the things that have already happened, after these events, then they will hand you over to persecution and will kill you. This is not a popular subject. This is not a feel-good kind of a message. Persecution is not something that anybody looks forward to or wants to face, but Jesus is laying it out as reality. There's going to be a rise in global persecution. There's going to be a rise in our national persecution. We have not experienced it yet, but we have basically handed over the keys in order for that to happen. That's in place that it could happen. You're starting to see things that are coming up and popping up behind the scenes that would lead you to believe that national persecution will be right around the corner. Did you know that persecution is happening on an intense and immense level around the world today? Most of us don't understand that because we, again, look only at America, but there is an intensity and immensity of persecution that is happening on a global scale. If you do not follow a couple of ministries, I would encourage you to do so. One is called Open Doors USA. Follow that ministry because it's a global look at the persecution that is happening around the, around the world toward the church. Also follow the ministry of Voice of the Martyrs and hear and understand the kind of persecution that's going on around the world. Let me share with you what is happening today in our world under the heading of persecution. According to Open Doors USA, the top 50 countries that you see that persecution happens in the world, you can see them on the screen. The ones that are in red are extreme levels of persecution. The ones in orange are moving toward extreme levels of persecution. They are extreme, but not as extreme as the ones in red. And the yellow is almost there. They are almost there in the extreme levels of persecution. All of these things are based upon the kinds of pressure and the kinds of violence that believers are experiencing today in these countries. Let me tell you a little bit about some of the statistics that are going on in these countries. In the world as a whole right now, you could see that in the past year that 260 million Christians experience high levels of persecution. 260 million experience high levels of persecution. That means pressure and violence that they are under. 2,983 Christians were killed for faith-related reasons in the past year. That is an average of eight Christians killed every day for their faith around the world. People being killed because they believe in Jesus. 9,488 churches or Christian buildings were attacked or destroyed in the past year. 3,111 Christians were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned. This is the kind of persecution that is going on around the world. Let me read you a couple of other things. In the most populated countries on earth, Christians live in a surveillance state. In China, where there are an estimated 97 million Christians, persecutions against Christians has taken a technological turn. According to a recent report cited by CNBC, there are estimates that there are approximately 415 million surveillance cameras in China. 
a number only expected to grow over the coming years. China has also developed a widespread facial recognition software and established laws requiring a facial scan in order to purchase a home. When taken together, these two technological advances mean the government can track individuals like never before. You add to that the fact that China is rolling out something called a social credit system. Social credit system is a system by which authorities plan to reward good citizenship and punish bad citizenship. Already one community has reportedly decided that they will add penalties for those who illegally spread Christianity. Surveillance and a social credit system that determines that your behavior is either good or bad based upon what they say will lead to incredible persecution that will happen in a country that right now is even yellow on the screen. It's China. Those are the kind of things that are happening. Similarly, in India, the government plans to introduce a national facial recognition system. How far behind them are we to add a national facial recognition system to come up with some kind of a social credit score to determine if you're good or bad based upon what you do and how you live life? Let me highlight for you just a handful of some of the persecutions that are going on. In North Korea, Christians are considered hostile elements to be eradicated. If North Korean Christians are discovered, they are deported to labor camps as political criminals or they are killed on the spot. In fact, reports indicate that local authorities are increasing incentives for anyone who exposes a Christian in their community. Talk about betrayal of one another. You could be in your community and a neighbor could report that he heard or she heard that they were a Christian and all of a sudden you're either killed or detained, sent to a, a labor camp because of your belief in Jesus. Daring to meet together for worship is done in utmost secrecy in North, North Korea. In Afghanistan, Afghanistan, where Christianity is not permitted to exist, the country does not permit any faith other than Islam to exist in Afghanistan. To convert to faith outside of Islam is treason. Only one possible outcome can happen for becoming a Christian and being caught, and that is death. That is the attitude. That is the persecution going on there. Christians are hiding as much as possible. In Somalia, 99% of the country are Muslim. Christians are un under constant threat of attack. Persecution almost always involves violence, and militant leaders regularly will take Christians and kill Christians on the spot if they are discovered. In Libya, Christians are often attacked, sexually assaulted, and detained. Christians in Libya are subjected to violence, they're uh, subjected to inhumane treatment, and degrading treatment. 
In Pakistan, churches can meet but are regularly attacked in persecution. In fact, many church buildings have been destroyed and many Christians have been violently attacked in Pakistan. And now the country is rolling out anti-blasphemy laws which are disproportionately administered against and applied against the Christian minority, which makes it dangerous or even difficult or even impossible to live out a person's faith in public. In the Sudan, which is run by the Islamic State, there are heavy restrictions on freedom of speech or press, arrests, Churches being demolished and Christians being attacked indiscriminately are a daily occurrence. In Eritrea, Christians are imprisoned. How are they being imprisoned? Well, they go house to house and they conduct raids. The raids are led by the government. And hundreds of Christians have been arrested and taken in those places and they have been put into inhumane conditions, whether they're being locked up or they're being put in housing. Most of the housing or most of the prisons are in shipping containers with the extreme heat in those shipping containers causing death in these believers. In Iran, it is illegal to convert and illegal to preach Christianity. Christians are forbidden to share their faith there is government persecution. If they attend an underground church, they are always facing the threat of being arrested. In December alone, there were 100 Christians that were just arrested in one week in order to deter the, deter the rest of the population from ever accepting Christ or ever coming to, to a time of worship. In India, there's persecution from the state, there's persecution from the Hindu society, and many Christians in house churches are regularly attacked. To say yes to Jesus could mean arrest, imprisonment, death, or at the worst, just complete rejection. I want to read a story for you. It's a girl by the name of Tara. Tara lives in India. She's 15 years old. She lives in the same house with her family, but she has been rejected by them because of her faith in Jesus. Nobody in the house talks to her or even allows her to go into the kitchen in case she pollutes the food and the water with her unclean faith. She's forced to work as a day laborer just to make ends meet. She became a Christian after she was healed from an illness. She found peace that she had never known before, but it also put her life in upheaval. She says, my parents told me you are ashamed to the family, ashamed to our community. Our community detests us because you go to church. Either leave Jesus or forget the relationship you have with us. Tara says, today, I do still live in my home with my parents and the rest of my siblings, but I am totally rejected, she continues. I am confined to a small room. I have been warned not to talk to the rest of the people in the house. Nobody speaks to me. I am estranged in my own home. She reflects on her journey since accepting Jesus. Because of persecution, I once tried leaving Jesus, but I felt empty. She says, there is a void in life which I can never fill without him. I cannot leave. That is the kind of persecutions that are going on around the world. 
And we, as a country, are only a few steps behind of some of the things that are happening in other countries. And now we have basically given rein for that to go even further. Jesus says, then they will hand you over to persecution and will kill you. Not everybody will be killed, but there will be a lot that will be killed. And then he adds to it these words, you will be hated by all the nations because of my name. He says, you're going to be hated. We can't fully comprehend this because we haven't felt what it feels like to be hated. However, in our country, there seems to be a rise of a growing promotion of and verbalization of that if you are a follower of Christ, you are to be hated. Those are the persecutions. Jesus says, this is going to happen. It must happen. It will happen. And it's going to be on a global scale. And we are already seeing that happen in multiple places around the world. We are just steps away from the beginnings of persecution in our country as well. Matthew 10, Jesus says, And you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Are you prepared to be hated? I don't want to be hated. I don't like being hated. I'm not a hateful person. I really don't have hate in my heart. I don't, can't think of anybody that I hate, but that's the attitude they're going to have toward me. I will be hated, all because I love Jesus, because I'm following him and committed to him. Not only will I be hated, I will be persecuted, and you will be as well. If you choose to say, I will follow Jesus no matter what the price. If you will be like Tara in India who says, I tried to walk away, but there was an emptiness in my heart that could never be filled in any other way except through Jesus. He is my peace. He is my source. He is my life. There will be incredible amounts of persecution. But not only in persecution, there's also going to be betrayal. Look at what Jesus says. Then they're going to hand you over to persecution and will kill you. You're going to be hated by all nations because of my name. And then, uh, because of my name, then many will fall away. So just stop right there for a second. Many are going to fall away. Falling away is a rejection of God, a leaving of faith, a rejecting of others who are believers. The word fall away is the Greek word uh, scandalizo, which means to put a snare or a stumbling block. It's where we get our word scandal. There's going, it's going to be scandalous. There's going to be outrage, social outrage, social anger when accusations appear or are made. People will be accused. Uh, they, will be, they will have uh, outrage coming toward them. And as a result, they will say, this is not worth it. This is not what I signed up for. And they will say, I'm, I'm out of here. That is the falling away that will happen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for the day will not come. The, the day, the return of the Lord. It will not come unless... 
The rebellion comes first. The word rebellion is the Greek word apo, uh, apos, uh, apostasy. It's apostasia. It's apostasy. The great day will not happen unless there is a great apostasy, a great falling away, a great rebellion against God saying, God, you're not worth it. This is not worth it. I'm not willing to walk this line. 1 Timothy 4, Paul says, now the spirit, the ruach, the spirit clearly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, following deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of false teachers whose own conscience has been seared. What is he saying? He's saying there's going to be a great falling away. Now, Jesus adds to it these words. He says, then many are going to fall away. And now look at this and will betray one another and hate one another, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Many will be deceived, many will be led astray, many will be persecuted. Those are the words that Jesus is using. He says it's going to, there's going to be betrayal. Betrayal will happen with families against families, neighbors against neighbors, acquaintances against acquaintances. That's the kind of betrayal that Jesus is talking about. The word betray means giving someone over, delivering, delivering a person to condemnation or to judgment, to prison. It's the same kind of thing that Paul did before he was converted. He was taking Christians and having them arrested or killed. He was betraying. Betrayal will happen. This past week, Jennifer and I, again, we went to uh, Indiana. My, uh, like I said, my aunt had passed away. And I was talking to my sister. I've got a sister who is from the Netherlands. And she had come in to be around family during that time. And uh, I was talking to my sister. And in the area that she lives in the Netherlands, their lockdowns are so severe that this is what they're experiencing. The government has come in and said, you can't leave your house, and there can be no more than four people in the house. She said, I have neighbors that are watching, and if anybody has more than four people or if anybody is outside, they call the police. That's betrayal, one against another. Not only that, she said this, the city government of where she lives in a large city in that area, the city government purchased drones that fly overhead with cameras and watch to see if anybody is out of the house or if anybody has more than four people there. That is the level of betrayal. Now this is, that betrayal there is about this, this so-called pandemic. Here, and around the world globally, it will be about following Christ. They will betray one another for following Jesus. They will be betray one another. I heard there was a house church over there. The police need to go check that out. I heard that they gave their heart to Jesus. I heard that they were baptized. You need to go find them. Betrayal. Jesus clarifies this in Mark 13, 12. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. I can't fathom this. But Jesus is saying, this is what will happen 
in the end. Why do I tell you these things? As a word of warning. Because I don't want you to fall away. I don't want you to quit on Jesus. I don't want you to give up when persecution comes. I want you to be willing to trust Jesus even to the point of death. One last one. Jesus says there's also going to be lawlessness and lovelessness. Now look at these with me. Jesus says then they're going to hand you over to be persecuted. They're going to kill you. You're going to be hated by all the nations because of my name. In a, uh, the word all the nations means it's universal. It is around the world. You'll be hated by all the nations. In other words, there's no safe place that you can go. I told my wife uh, a couple days ago, we're going to buy a place down in, uh, uh, around Acapulco somewhere. Or uh, if you ever watch Shawshank Redemption, uh, Zewateneo. We're going to Zewateneo. We're going to buy a place. There's nowhere you can go. You will be hated by all nations. In fact, we live in a pretty good place right here. But we will be hated. Christians will be hated by all nations because of my name. Many are going to fall away. Many will betray one another. They will hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will lead, many, meaning church leaders or others, will arise and lead many astray because lawlessness is going to multiply. The love of many will grow cold. What is lawlessness? How is lawlessness going to multiply? Lawlessness can mean two things. We often think of lawlessness as governmental. There's lawlessness. There is, you look at the riots that are happening. You look at the things that are going on being destroyed. You think of that as the picture of lawlessness. And that's one type of lawlessness. But the other type of lawlessness, and the most prevalent here, is the law of God. There will be a lawlessness. In other words, nobody will care about the law of God anymore. Jesus said the law of God, that law that he did not come to do away with, he came to fulfill. That law that is written on our hearts, that's the law that will dissipate. There will be lawlessness, meaning nobody will have the word of God written on their hearts, meaning there won't be people who will be reacting in love anymore because the love of God is not in them. Most Commonly, that's the kind of lawlessness that Jesus is talking about. There will be, maybe there's going to be social unrest, social lawlessness, but there's going to be a removal of the law of God that determines the direction of your life. When you have lawlessness on your heart, the result of that is a heart that grows cold because I don't have the love of Christ anymore. The word lawlessness in the Greek language, anomia, which means wickedness, unrighteousness, and iniquity. Sin, iniquity, and wickedness will increase. There will be no more desire to listen to or to follow the law of God. Now, when that happens, he says, then the love of many will grow cold. I want you to notice this word, grow cold. It's a fascinating word in the Greek. The word grow cold in the Greek language is the word psycho. When lawlessness increases, the world goes psycho. Are we not seeing that? 
when the love of God is gone, people go psycho. The word psycho literally means coldness, chilled. Literally, it's the mind, the spirit, the mind has grown cold. So when you have lawlessness, the word of God is removed. People have been deceived. People have walked away and fallen away from Jesus. Global persecution is happening. They said, this is not worth it. I don't want to follow this. They're the, the law of God on their heart is removed. The love grows cold. And the result is a society that is absolutely crazy and psycho. That's the picture that Jesus is painting. Paul connects this with these words in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. He says, but understand this, that in the last days, hard times will come. Well, wasn't that everything that I was just reading? That's hard times. In the last days, hard times will come. In the last days, there are going to be people that are going to be, that are going to be lovers of self. They're going to be lovers of money. They're going to be boastful, arrogant, blasphemers. That, that means talking unholy things against God. They will be disobedient to parents ungrateful, unholy, hard-hearted, unforgiving, backbiting, without self-control, brutal, hating what is good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to, notice this, holding to an outward form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid these people. If you have a group of people that have an outward form of godliness, that means it's people that have come from a church setting or are in a church setting. They have a form of godliness. They are trying to say they're godly, but on the inside, they're wicked lawless, and they're loveless. Let me give you an example of this. Today in a society, we live in a society that wants to just tolerate and accept everybody, no matter what they want to do and how they want to live life, even if it goes against the word of God. God's word says something, and I say, no, nah, I don't want to believe that. I want to believe what I want to believe because I feel differently about it. And so, and, and I'm the God of my life, so I can make the decision. And they say, I, I don't want this. Let's just get rid of that, and I'll make my own rules. And you just need to accept me and be okay with me. So I want you to picture this. Love. The idea of love, the concept of love, it's so misunderstood in our society of what real love is. So let, me, let me give you an example. And you define for me what is real love. Let's say you have a family in a car and you're standing outside on the sidewalk and you see the family in the car and they're coming towards you. And you know something they don't know. You know at the end of the road, the bridge is out. And at the end of the road, they're going to go over the cliff, and it's a 500-foot drop to the bottom. You know the bridge is out. You know they're headed toward a cliff, and you're standing on the sidewalk, and the car is coming toward you. And you, because you love them, you say, hey, stop. 
Stop. Don't go any further. The bridge is out. If you keep going, you're going to die. Quit. Don't go any further. Now, that's love because you don't want to see him die. But the rest of society says that's intolerant. That's ignorant. That is phobia of some kind. Instead, society's idea of love is they gather around the car and they march with the car and they parade with the car and they hold balloons by the car and they hold flags by the car and they clap and they wave and you could be anything you want to be and they walk with them all the way as the car drives off the edge of the cliff. What is love? Love is not people who stand and clap and cheer as the car drives off the cliff. Love is the people that waves their hands and say, wait, stop, please don't go any farther. You're headed off a cliff. You're going to die. That's love. But in the end, there will be no love. Because in the end, there will be no law of God. And in the end... We will be gathering alongside as the car drives off the cliff and we'll be clapping and shouting and cheering and saying, you can be anything you want to be. I was thinking about this and this kind of hit me this morning. I woke up really early this morning. I just haven't slept good all week. Um, Woke up early this morning and I was praying and I was thinking about the message today and I was thinking and it's just this thought hit me. And the thought was this, what was the most unloving act that happened in the Bible? I thought about that. And something came to my mind and came to my heart that I had never thought before. The most unloving act in the Bible, in my view, happened in chapter 3 of Genesis. What happened in chapter 3 of Genesis? Eve had a conversation with Satan. And Satan said, did God really say those things? Did God really mean those things? You can't believe God. You can't trust God. Eve took a piece of fruit that she was not supposed to take, and she ate it. That was not the most unloving act. You know what was? It says, and she gave some to her husband who was with her. Do you know that Adam was given the command of God? Not Eve, Adam was. The command Adam was given was, do not eat from that tree. You can eat from anything else you want. Don't eat from that tree, Adam. You're in charge. I am giving you authority. Watch it. And what did Adam do? He stood there in silence as he watched his wife eat from the tree And then he joined in with her and ate from the same tree. The most unloving thing that we can do in life is to be silent. The most loving thing we can do is to warn, to say you're headed for a cliff. I don't want to see you perish. I don't want to see you destroyed. I don't want to see you miss out on eternity. I don't want to see you suffer. That's why I'm warning you. God has warned us. Lovelessness and lawlessness is going to increase. 
Betrayal is going to happen. Persecution is going to happen. These things must take place. These are going to happen. And Jesus then finishes it with something we'll talk about next week. He's going to talk about, but I want you to endure. You know, the Bible talks about endurance. It doesn't talk about escape. We are called to endure. Look at what Jesus says. They're going to hand you over to persecution. You're going to be killed. You're going to be hated by all the nations because of my name. Many will fall away. They're going to start betraying each other. They're going to hate one another. Many false prophets are going to arise. They're going to lead many astray. Lawlessness will multiply. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. I want you, God says, to endure. These things are going to happen. Stand up and speak. Don't be afraid of them persecuting you. Don't be afraid of what people say. Don't be afraid of these things. Stand for me and endure to the end. And if you do, you will be saved. I'm going to talk about that more next week. Let me just wrap it up with this final thought. Are you prepared for whatever is coming our way? I believe it's going to intensify greatly. It's not just in the United States. It is a global movement of persecution. We are seeing it happen in many countries already, and we are just steps behind. Will we experience to the same level that they experience? I, I don't know. All I know is that Jesus said, you're going to be hated by all nations. These things are going to happen. Endure to the end. Are you prepared and are you willing to endure? And are you willing to stand up and say, because I love you, I'm going to tell you some things that you don't want to hear that are not comfortable, but I'm not doing it because I hate you. I'm doing it because you're driving off a cliff and I love you. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that we would take stock of our lives and that we would look at your word and that your word would change us from the inside out. I pray, Father, that we would be fully committed to you, that we would be willing to say, God, I will follow your word no matter what the cost, no matter what comes my way, I will follow you. Jesus, thank you so much for the fact that you loved us enough to come here for us and you will be coming back again to collect your bride. We don't know what that day is going to be, but we're starting to see the signs and the evidences that this may not be far off. Maybe it's going to be in the next decade. Maybe it's going to be in the next couple of decades. Maybe it's even sooner, Lord. Help us to have hearts ready and prepared for you. Father, continue to teach us Continue to show us your way. And Father, we thank you that you loved us enough that you came and you got us out of the car and you set our feet on firm foundation. Thank you for meeting with us today, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to that message from Journey Church. Be sure to stop by our website, journeychurchgillette.com and check out past sermons and learn how to get plugged in with us. Also, if you would like to give to Journey to help us continue doing ministry in ways like this, just hit the Give button on our website to support us on this mission. 
Hey, I hope that you have a great day and may God bless you.